Welcome to the Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. On this podcast, each week we review a movie, we discuss it, uh, then one of us decides which movie to watch next. This week, I am your host, Dale Maxfield. I am joined by Alicia Walker. Hello. Nathan McKinney. Hello. And Zach Rowland. Hey. And we are discussing David Fincher's Zodiac from 2007. Uh, but first, we're going to talk a bit about what we've been watching lately. Zach, what have you been watching lately? Uh, I switched it up, uh, stopped watching so many movies, and um, decided to go back to the uh, TV series train. Um, so one I want to talk about is on Hulu called Foodie's Guide to Eating. It's fun. It's a fun uh, food show for those of you who like to, you know, watch different um, uh, places where people, you know, find good local eats or um, different, um, you know, uh, uh, cultures, uh, different types of food, things like that. It's narrated by Maya Rudolph, so it's definitely comedic in nature, but um, pretty well done. It's it's an easy watch um, on Hulu, which is nice. Um, I got to say the thing that's bringing me the most joy right now is floor is lava on netflix yeah it is my everything i don't know how i (laughs) took so long to find it but like it's basically you know it's just like uh it's like the nickelodeon kid in me grew up also loves escape rooms and then floors lava is all of that combined yeah Uh, so i just i i'm just devouring it and i will probably watch it multiple times and it's hard for me not to laugh audibly constantly <laughs> yeah i think brooke went through that uh when it came out that she was yeah. addicted to it oh, it's probably gonna be so, one of those they they repeat over and over they reschedule over and over again because now that they've got the rooms built i mean why not just keep filming them i agree i mean yeah utilize <laughs> the heck out of that because yeah. I, I would honestly i would fly back to los angeles to do floor is lava. I would, I would love to do that. <laughs> um, so that's a fun one. I've been really, really finding a lot of joy in, um, Cobra Kai season three, uh, came out on Netflix at the beginning of uh, January. So just kind of trudging through that. I don't say trudging. Like it's like, I'm hating it. I actually am really enjoying it. Um, but just like so many people are, you know, sh- they, they stream and they binge watch and then they post things on social media and you have to avoid posts for so long that you're like, I guess I gotta, I gotta do what the rest of the world is doing and get through this. Um, but uh, no, I've, I've been actually been watching it uh, and enjoying it. And um, last but not least, American Gods um, season two, because I did not have stars when season two came out. Yeah. Uh, so I'm catching up on season two because season three is now out. Yep. Still loving it. Just it just started. I think, oh, it's like, I love the, some of the choices they've done in terms of adaptation as well. Uh, being like a super fan of the, of the book and just always so critical about adaptations of um, from novel to screen. And um, I was very critical about his dark materials season one, but then I loved season two American gods has been with me the whole way. I've just really loved everything they've done with it. And I think season two, they're doing new and better things with it. And I think it's, it's a really great show. Yeah. It's an excellent show. I, I highly enjoy it and highly recommend it. It's unfortunate that it's on stars because not very many people are doing stars, but um, yeah, it's it's yeah. worth looking into. I got to see sure. season one of that, and I thought it was pretty good, but it wasn't enough to make me subscribe to stars to see more. So exactly, it's like uh, Get Shorty on Epics, 
fantastic yeah. show. Mm-hmm. Nobody's getting epics for it. So, <laughs> yep. Or Star Trek Discovery on CBS All Access. Like, didn't yeah, do exactly. It. We'll just have to wait for the great uh, Stars uh, Epics Netflix merger, and then we'll get to see all of that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Netflix Max <laughs> Stars Plus. Right. Disney Plus Plus Plus. <laughs> Mouse owns it all. Just like Christmas Vacation Plus. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or Christmas story. Yeah, Alicia, how about you? Uh, hey, so uh, I hey, finished hello. the rip. Yeah, hello. I finished the Ripper. Uh, liked it. Uh, may have liked it more if I didn't know where it was going. Sorry. Uh, but really liked it with <laughs> what they did with it in the last episode. Um, so finish that. Also, Nathan and I on and off have been watching uh, a British show that as far as I know, there's only one season available to Americans on Netflix, and that's called The Repair Shop. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. If if you like the British baking show and Antiques Roadshow, this is the show for you. So they've got these people that are uh, really gifted in repairing, you know, porcelain. They've got a, a clockmaker. They've got somebody who recanes furniture you know all these kind of lost arts now and people come in british people that are all hopeful that their you know grandmother clock that fell over and shattered you know the glass and and you know parts are rested out that they can get it all back in running order and and uh, you see them with with subdued enthusiasm at the end that are that <laughs> everything's brilliant everything's brilliant but it's it's a lot of fun and they're just kind of short watches so we've been enjoying that and it's very relaxing which is who, very nice sometimes in the late evening. Who knew that uh, watching a woman figure out how to wicker wire a chair would be the solve we needed for you know it, it is. COVID times? It's like, but it's it's lovely. I know, mean, it's just like watching the NPR ladies on yeah fuck I mean, baking sourdough. I mean, I mean this it's is it. this is great stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, so we've, we've just been watching that off and on the last couple of weeks and enjoying that. And, and I, there are more seasons that exist, but as far as we can tell, they're not really available to find. But you guys might be able to find it better than us. Uh, we've watched a few movies, too. One we watched this last week was First Cow. Uh, we'd been hearing a lot about it. Uh, I remember seeing the preview, which, you know, months and months and months ago when I actually had gone to a theater and uh, thinking it looked kind of like a comedy. I think the trailer was a little bit uh, deceiving. It, it wasn't really much of a comedy. It was still very good. Um, I don't, to me, maybe it wasn't as good as a lot of people might be hyping it right now as we're getting into kind of more award season and all the critics talking. I really liked it. Maybe I'd like it more on future viewings. Um, it had, I really like how it ended, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It wasn't really a letdown. I don't know what I was expecting out of it, maybe, but um, but it was interesting to watch. I have to say, it's one of the worst movies I've seen as far as sound goes in a really, really long time. We do such a superior job on this podcast that anybody on that sound crew does <laughs> to miking a single person. <laughs> it was it, ah, lots of clipping, lots of peaking, lots of uh, it was bad. Have either of you guys seen that one yet? Through the whole movie. No, uh, no, not yet. It's a it is it it's a feature or is it a documentary? Yeah, no, no it's, it's a, a feature. feature movie. It's by uh, one of the female <laughs> directors they're talking about this year. I'm trying to remember her name now. Uh, Catherine was it Catherine? I can't remember. I, I'd recognize it, but I can't think you of it right now. You screw up an audio mix for a oh god, it's movie. bad. 
It's really bad. And like in one scene, you'll have one guy mic'd correctly, and then the other guy with the beard just yeah. like fuck all. It was bad. Yeah, so. that's like the kind of movies that we do on Cinemasochists. <laughs> where they have a it was remake. a good movie. Otherwise, I thought. I mean, it had a nice story, but where they used like the camera mics for some people, and like yeah. the one character has a lavalier, and that's it. Yeah, I noticed it, but it didn't bother me as much. I think I don't know for some reason. I kind of just got used to it, I guess, and I was focusing more on other stuff. But yeah, but there was there was a definite difference between some of the characters and the sound quality. It helped when we put on subtitles. Well, Nathan, did you watch other stuff than that? I mean, we both watched quite a few things. Um, uh, I don't remember what we talked about last week, but we did watch the Chicago 7. Enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, We also... So I recently acquired um, the original five Planet of the Apes films on Blu-ray, but we were kind of starting with the newer ones. And so Alicia, I don't know if she had seen it or not, but we went ahead and watched um, Dawn of Planet of the Apes, which would be about my third or fourth time to see it. But really great. All, all three of those new ones are really fantastic, I think. So I'm, I'm yeah, looking forward are. to going back to the original Planet of the Apes uh, Synquilogy or whatever the heck you call it. Because um, I've only ever seen the first one of the old ones. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Those do not hold up. No, I, you know, I've heard, I've heard mixed reviews. Like I've heard people say that actually they're kind of great. So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't expect the special effects to be any better than like Star Trek, the original series or anything. But I mean, I remember loving the first one. The first one's amazing. Are they getting more into fun campy? Yeah, they get really, they get really dumb. I've seen the first one. And of course, remember that. And that's, you know, it's kind of legendary as to the ending and stuff, but. Right. Uh, I haven't. I haven't ever seen any of the other sequels of it. No, the first one's a classic, and there's a reason people don't talk about the other ones. <laughs> I've seen a few of the other ones, and Dale's not wrong. <laughs> uh, I'm still right. plugging away at my HBO Max series that I'm trying out. Um, the The first one that I watched, I finished. It's called Stathlet's Flats. I kind of talked about it last week. Second season was even way better than the first season, so I totally recommend that one. Um, the new one I just started was called Pure. I'm only about two episodes in, but I already can tell you I like it. Um, that one is about a woman who moves away from her parents and living in Scotland right after about a year of graduating and doing nothing with her life and uh, trying to deal with some sort of sexual issue that's going on in her head where she just constantly sees everybody around her naked and imagining the worst possible things they could be doing to each other and having to deal with that in her head as she's meeting new friends in London. So it's pretty interesting. Interesting. Yep. Well, I am continuing to watch uh, your honor um, on Showtime. Um, Actually, it was, there was like a bad episode or so where I thought this isn't going to work out. Like they don't have enough story to fix, to, to, make this last nine episodes. And then I found out that what I thought the story was going to be for the whole nine was actually just for the first three. And then episode four is just this like bombshell episode. So, um, don't, don't, don't spoil they, us. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going <laughs> to, we tell are going to watch this, so. <laughs> You already yeah, watched it. I, I was hoping to watch it. No, I was hoping to watch it too. And I'm like, Oh, I gotta get showtime. It's 
I, I mean, it. I, I think it'd be worth uh, worth getting, especially once it's all out at the end of the month, because um, it the the final episode will be on. I think believe the thirty first. Um, it airs on Sunday nights, but um, yeah, uh, it's there's a whole lot more story um, than I anticipated there being. They're doing a lot with with the limited series that they have, and uh, it seems like they're not holding anything back for another season. So, it it it's pretty damn good. Um, Brian Cranston, of course, is good in anything, um, but he's he he's he's great in this. And um, and and yeah, while I did feel like. It, the story sort of started to drag and, and not go anywhere for like an episode. All of a sudden at the end of that episode, it's like, Oh, it twisted and went in a direction I didn't expect. And the reason things were so slow is because it's like, well, this is the last time we're going to ever do this. It's like, Oh, okay. Interesting. I thought we were going to be doing that for the next five episodes, but Nope. So, it, it's pretty great. Okay, we'll have to get back to watching it. We only watched the first episode, so we'll have to get back to it. Yeah, so um, we we chose a movie. Um, the movie was Zodiac by David Fincher. Um, Zach, had you seen it before? I have not. Okay. Um, Alicia, have you? Oh, yeah. Okay, I figured everybody but Zach had seen it, so... Uh, Zach, what did you think of Zodiac? I loved it. Uh, I think I can officially say I'm a really big David Fincher fan. I don't think other than Alien 3, anything else I've seen by him I have not disliked so far. So, well, don't spoil uh, Alien 3 because that's not coming out till next week. No, I know. I'm just saying <laughs> that. I, He's uh, seen it in the past. <laughs> yeah, in a past life. Um, Zodiac was... Great. I had always wanted to see it, especially even when it came out, and it just never landed in my lap. And I'm glad that we finally got to it. Um, it's a it's an interesting story in itself, um, in terms of the actual events that happened. I have played an escape room that is the Zodiac. Um, yeah. So this was it, like it's funny because we did the game. And then we're doing Zodiac, but then like the combination of with my escape room stuff, it's like, it's like this, the, you know, the wonderful time of year for me. Um, but, uh, (laughs) I really enjoyed the performances. Yeah. Um, February is a great month. Um, no, I I really loved the performances. I thought everyone was solid. I, I enjoyed watching, um, two future Avengers on screen together. Yeah. Uh, but like you know obviously not in those roles but still like they're they're phenomenal actors and jake um, gyllenhaal's in the mcu yeah. too oh that's right of course he's uh he plays mysterio so the three get three um you know um yeah it's kind of fun to watch how obviously actors go from have having done some things in their career to where they go next or whatnot but um, in terms of the, you know, the the um, cinematography, I thought it was well done. I I thought the story was actually pretty easy to follow. Like I know that there was a lot of convoluted uh, parts to the Zodiac and what that entailed, um, but I actually thought I I also did think I thought there was more murders uh, than actually than there were. 
Um, yeah. I, I, so it was nice to get some. I mean, obviously, you know, you have to take it with a grain of salt because it is a, a film that's adapted from true events and, and books and whatnot. But um, I, I did appreciate uh, the due diligence of trying to really uh, capture the essence of what this felt like at the time, um, especially the fear that was gripping the whole area of that Northern California slash a little bit of Southern California. Um, I've also been to a lot of like those cities as well. Um, Riverside and uh, Vallejo and all that kind of, I've been to all those places. Um, So yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty well done overall. Um, And then the guy who plays Arthur or Lee, I guess, um, that guy, Lynch. Just, yeah, I, I can never remember his name for some reason as an actor, but I love everything he does. Yeah. He's just, I've never seen him do a bad thing, but they always put him in that. He's sort of a little, little typecast, you know, like he's always like, you know, he's going to be the guy. Well, I, um, I mean, I first noticed him in Fargo. He, you know, he was mm-hmm. uh, the husband in Fargo and uh, uh, was his- he not the guy in Drew Carey show? That's what I remember him from first. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I watched yeah, that so that's much. That's where I remember him from first. But yeah. um, interestingly, um, the him, him getting cast in this movie uh, was based on uh, on crazy prep work by David Fincher, where he got a 911 operator who had actually talked to the Zodiac to listen to a bunch of different recordings of actors trying basically trying out for that role and she picked john carroll lynch's voice out of that stack and said this is the one that sounds wow. the most like the zodiac so huh wow that, that's interesting yeah um the movie's based uh, on a book written by robert gray smith uh who was played by jake Gyllenhaal in the movie so it's it's kind of his his story, which makes yeah, sense because the, the movie his, is his story, right? The, his obsessiveness too, um, and watching his sort of his story uh, going along with the events that are happening and sort of intertwining a lot of these other smaller characters, um, a lot of other actors and actresses that I've you know kind of seen in other things, but you see them working this like you know real life event that happened. Um, and, and sort of like, you know, I don't want to say they're not paying homage to the Zodiac, obviously, but they're intact. They're keeping sure that the story is intact for the victims and things like that, that have happened. Um, but, uh, yeah, 69, what a year. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was like some, some crazy shit. And, and then, so I was, I was trying to go on like a little deep dive into some of the Zodiac <laughs> stuff. Cause I know that they had just, uh, someone had just cracked that last cipher that he sent recently. Yeah. Just in December. Um, yeah, so I, I didn't get a chance to read any articles about it, but hopefully one of you guys has been able to. But man, I, I, I just really loved it. I thought it was very enthralling and uh, a good good watch. Alicia, what did you think? Uh, I love this movie. This is maybe the third or fourth time I'd seen it. Always love it. Uh, no matter how many times I've seen it, I always think it's suspenseful. It's just the music, the tone, the silences. I mean, it's it's a sphincter clincher. I mean, that's what it is. And you sit on the couch <laughs> and you're tense, even though this is history, you know what happens. But I think because he wasn't ever caught, I think that just adds to the suspense because you're watching this playing out knowing 
he could still be out there. I mean, probably not, but he could still be out there. So yeah, I and not only do I um, just love the true crime, you know, I kind of think about some of the other true crime stuff that's really blown up over the last few years uh, with, you know, I'll Be Gone in the Dark and stuff like that and the people that are really you know, trying to find out who these serial killers have been and stuff like that. And here, you know, Robert Graysmith and and other people like him were doing it before you have the internet, when you're just going through files. Like when he goes into that police file room and he can't bring any writing utensils with him and he just has to try to remember everything he can. Uh, I mean, the amount of dedication, you can understand why his wife would leave him. I mean, it takes a lot of dedication to go through all that stuff. But yeah, I think the acting's great. Uh, I love Mark Ruffalo. I love Robert Downey Jr. If I remember right, this is when he was just kind of getting back up on the horse, uh, taking some more serious roles again. And he's great. I mean, I always love those little things he adds, just those little, what I assume to be little ad-libs, little sidebar comments kind of inserted into something or just a little bit different inflection. I just think that's a great thing about him. So he hated this movie. I read that. Um, (laughs) Because uh, he and David Fincher do not share a style. Uh, David Fincher is a, we will just keep doing takes until I see what I want. And Downey is more of a, my first take is my take. Um, I'll play with it a little bit, but I'm not going to do 25 takes of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, he uh, he he began misbehaving on set until they I came to an agreement. That. So There's really good trivia about this movie. In fact, some of the best trivia I've seen for some of the movies we've watched. And if I am understanding correctly, unless it was just the some of the IMDb trivia and it wasn't quite true, supposedly some of that misbehaving was leaving jars of his urine around the set. Yep. So that's fun. Uh, yeah, he did that. Go Bobby. Um, so, but another thing but that yeah. did happen as a result of this movie is that they reopened the case. Yeah, that's great. And I haven't heard anything on the most recent stuff. Even though I was looking at the trivia of the movie, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys had looked up anything since this movie about any more leads on the they case. They haven't had any more leads. They were able to, um, you know, do some more DNA testing and stuff with, uh, the blood and and things like that in in more recent times, um, but the biggest like sort of new thing that's happened was what Zach was talking about was that they finally cracked yeah. that final uh, code, which didn't. In I, I saw the translation and it wasn't really anything new. No. It was basically a rehashing of stuff he'd already put in other letters. It yeah. seemed to me, but but still very interesting that it took that long to get that one uh, figured out. Yeah. So yeah, love it. I, I could watch I mean it's one of those movies that even though I've seen it before we got done watching it this time and I was like I could watch it again right now like we yeah. could just start it all over and then I'd pick up even more stuff Nathan how about you uh, yeah I'm I'm pretty much right up there too I actually think I mean I love Seven um, I think it's it's pretty near and dear to my heart it's kind of like poetry on film a little bit but uh, this one I think might be his his masterpiece. Honestly, um, it's just so well done and orchestrated. I mean, there's never a dull moment in almost a three hour movie. You, you don't even notice the time is flying at all. Um, I love the music choices. I love all the editing, all the <clears throat> little choices that they make throughout the whole thing. The cast is amazing. Um, I really can't say enough about how much I love this one. I think 
years from now, I may look back and it will be probably my favorite David Fincher film just because it needs that many watches to kind of like really sink in maybe. But um, I've seen it probably three or four times, just like Alicia. Um, and I'm enjoying it a little bit more every time. So you guys I think know- some of that too. I'm sorry. I think some of that too might just be what seems to be his own obsession with it. I don't know how how much David Fincher is deep diving into a lot of his other stuff like he did this. And maybe he always does that, but because this is a true story, he had so much material he wanted to research and get precise. But but I think just that attention to detail and just how much of it is just so perfectly planned out, shots, music, everything, I think is just I think amazing. he has that much attention to detail in everything that he does. I, th- I mean, including Alien 3, I think he just really, really, and it comes from his background in commercials, right? He's used to planning 30 seconds of airtime for months and months at a time and getting exactly what he wants. Um and this is an example um, that he, you know, did with Fight Club and Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl, where he is masterful at adapting books to the screen. He's he's just really solid at at pulling what he needs from the from the story and and making it all work on the screen. I think it was kind of interesting to watch this one now having um, watched uh, I'll Be Gone in the Dark um, because that's also about a, you know, obsessive armchair detective mm-hmm. um, or whatever they, whatever you call that. But um, internet sleuths, Jake, internet sleuths. Yeah. I mean, before the internet, obviously. Um, but I thought that that was kind of an interesting contrast to watch those two stories and kind of compare them. Is that about Zodiac as well? No, and that's about the Golden State Killer. Well, Golden State, yeah, okay. about yeah. kind of a, a person, a writer's journey in trying to figure out who the Golden State Killer was, and giving him really that moniker when he had a lot of different monikers around California. And that one's right. no longer a mystery, which is also part of the book. Um, yeah. Like she wrote the book not knowing who it was, died, and then shortly after her death like some of her work came to fruition and they found the guy. So yeah, Zach, you ought to check that out. It's a great book, but they made a series about her journey to figure him out on HBO. So you should check that out. Yeah. We talked yeah, about it. I, I saw I've seen, yeah, I've heard you guys talk about it and I've seen some previews and stuff for it. I just haven't gotten into it, but now I'm intrigued. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, I think this might only be the second time I have watched Zodiac. Um, I'm not really sure why, um, probably because I didn't buy a copy of it, um, before, but, um, I think it's flawless. I, I think it's perfect. Um, you're right. It does not feel like time is passing. It, it earns and, and, and meets the expectation of every minute of the two hours and 45 minutes that it is or at least the director's cut that I watched is a uh, 247 I think um like the last hour of it's just essentially just Jake Gyllenhaal running down leads and it's all fascinating um it it's all great to watch I think I remember um the first time I watched it kind of being let down by that um just because the other characters weren't so uh, integrated into the story beyond that point. 
I sort of felt like we lost Robert Downey Jr. along the way and we lost um, Anthony Edwards and, you know, some of those characters sort of pop pop out of the movie. Um, in the director's cut, they actually bring Robert Downey Jr. back a little bit, uh, which is which is cool. Um, he's got like one extra scene in there. But um, yeah, just everything. Um Casting, cinematography, acting, um, how precise everything is with the period. Um, they used modified versions of the 1969 like Paramount logo at the beginning. Like it's they really put you in to the the space of that. Um, and it's got this like, you know, sort of yellowish brown haziness to the color scheme, the art direction, which normally that kind of thing just like, it just kind of makes me sick. It's kind of like, why, why make a beautiful place like San Francisco look like, you know, hot trash, but it works for this movie. Um, the art direction's on point, uh, all the way through. I love the, uh, how uh, at the beginning there's like this beautiful daytime gliding helicopter shot into the port of San Francisco. Like when they first, when he first starts killing in San Francisco, they have this nice long helicopter shot into the port at daytime. And then about two thirds of the way through the movie, they do it again really briefly. They reprise that, but it's at night and it just looks all dirty and, and like he's destroyed the city Um, that comes into it. Um, just unbelievable all the way around. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's fantastic. Uh, I, I, I don't know how I feel necessarily about Robert Downey Jr. I still, I, I feel like his character is like the most out of place in the movie because when he's there, his character is so funny and quirky that it's like it, be- his absence it, it, and I think that's what hit me the first time too was that like he was the kind of the the not the normal one but like to Jake Gyllenhaal's just completely straight focused you know blind uh, straight laced side of it Downey was more of like his character was more of like this quirky weirdo and and funny and fun to watch and you don't really have that for the rest of the movie but you don't necessarily need it um the movie still works without it uh and then mark ruffalo is great all the way through it as well uh it's just it's such a weird thing that it's the cartoonist's story out of the three of them and and so that that that's just kind of strange, but that is what the source material is. And that is the real story. So, um, so there you go. Um, do you guys know if you watched the director's cut or not? I don't think, I don't we think did. we did. Mm-hmm. I can tell did you. Fi- yeah. Is that streaming? Uh, it's I, on Blu-ray. Oh, okay. Uh, no, I watched it on. Amazon. Uh, I can tell you, I can tell you how you can tell the difference. Um, if, if there was a long section of black screen with different, music and text kind of in the middle of the movie. That's the director's cut. There's a section, uh, like when the, 
uh, Zodiac goes on hiatus for five years or whatever it is, that it fades to black and it plays a bunch of different like hit songs. Like uh, there's like a Stevie Wonder song that comes on and a bunch of other stuff. And uh, it's all these different reporters talking about like other crimes that are going on. Like, you know, the New York city police have arrested the suspected son of Sam. And it like goes through a whole bunch of stuff. So it's like you get this sort of time passing thing, but it's all real like audio clips from those newscasts and the music is all, it's like someone dialing through a radio, but it's all like songs from those different years. And then the movie comes back after that. It's one of the things they added for the director's cut. Um, I think one of my favorite shots in this, you were talking about shots. Um, the uh, taxi cab, the way that they follow the taxi cab. Yeah. Uh, right before the murder. Um, I, I, I'm assuming what they did is they shot a wider shot and then clipped it to follow that cab the way they did, but it's just so dead on and perfect when they did it. Um, it's a great shot. Yeah. Uh, they might've had something like surface mounted to the back of it. It wouldn't surprise me at all to like have that, that perfect follow thing. Yeah, it could be. There's a lot of cool CGI in the movie too that, you know, it's CGI that is good enough that you don't notice that it's CGI right away, yeah. you know, or at all. Um, there's that crazy shot from like the top of the Golden State Bridge um, that like comes down onto the road and looks forward. It's like a classic David Fincher move. Um, there's that time lapse of the the building going up in San Francisco. Uh, the big skyscraper, oh, yeah, cool. that stuff was really neat. What, one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting, and I don't know if this was a choice by Fincher or, or what, but like every time we see the killer or the supposed killer, each killing, it, it kind of does look a little different. Like when you see him in the beginning of the film, you don't really get obviously a good look at him because it's the silhouette behind the flashlight um, and then we, we get like the full image of him with the two kids at the lake. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, but he's like, he's like wearing like, you know, like a Zodiac he symbol like on his keeper thing on. And yeah. 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 Oh, and that's and all then, true to life. Like he kept mixing his pattern up. Um, yeah. in the film, the cab. in the film, every attack is played by a different actor. The Zodiac is See, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. In every, okay. in every kill. Okay, because that's that's what I was uh, thinking about in terms of the fact when they finally get to Arthur and you see him and just how, you know, just large he is in terms of his stature and the way that he walks and everything like that. And you're like, oh, I could feasibly see this person being the guy, but I could also kind of see how he's not because he's playing them, you know? Um, he's definitely playing, but, but and, and also just everything that, He's done prior with like the pedophilia and like the every, all of the, the prior stuff that he's had he's gone through, and yet I, it's just I, I'm sure that's probably like psychologists that have tried to analyze the mind of the Zodiac, and mm-hmm. I, I can't even imagine what that's like because it's insane, you know. But you're still like totally scared for Jake Gyllenhaal when he's in the house with that the movie theater guy, 
Yeah. Oh yeah. What what yeah. was up with that? Anybody? What's I? I yeah. That was just a. I don't even. Just a blind alley, or just a you know a dead end. But, but the, he got the creeped out and so ran away. Creepy. <laughs> there was somebody upstairs. There had to be somebody upstairs. Uh. Yeah. Uh, um, what it you know? What it really reminded me of watching it was Mindhunter. Yeah. Um, I love Mindhunter, I especially the scenes where he's interviewing Lee. Yeah. Yes. Um, just because c- Lee has that sort of Kemper vibe. Um, Definitely. The, like, Even the location's is, really similar. Like four or five episodes they had with Kemper on Mindhunter. Um, Those are the best. And yeah, I, I just... Um, like you can see why 10 years later he was perfectly set to do a series like that. Cause Mindhunter is essentially a 12 hour version of Zodiac <laughs> instead of a three hour version. So yeah. such a great show. Um, and I'm sad that they're not doing any more. Yeah. It's like, are you serious? Those were two phenomenal seasons of television. Venture's over it. He's, he doesn't want to do oh. anymore. So yeah, Fair enough. I mean, you win some, you lose um, some. He set up House of Cards too, and that turned out real bad before <laughs> it was over. So, yeah. But he wasn't. Uh, there, he wasn't as hands on with that. You know, he did like the first episode, and was kind of an executive producer on it. Kind of developed the look of the show and the camera movements and stuff like that. But uh, Mindhunter was his baby. He every inch of that the um other things that i really appreciated in terms of the story of this was just how not only how it was affecting the general population at the time and obviously reporters and police and all of these other people but then the people that are connected to them as well you know um or even like the leads that he's following throughout the rest of the film and how the pieces all fall together or just uh, like Alicia was saying, when he has to go into a room full of, uh, you know, files and memorize stuff, but then he's like can put it in his head and then come back later and be like, I know exactly where it's at. I know exactly what I need. I just got to get this one fucking file. Um, but like just, I just I, there was just the intricacies of the story were so good like it's just like you don't you don't see like a lot of writing or a lot of storytelling where like everything matters everything matters even in the way that he shoots it cinema like in the cinematography of it it matters how they shoot it they can't shoot the zodiac from the side they got to shoot it straight on because the flashlight is the is you're giving you the perspective of what the people felt like you know, supposedly when the murders, the shooting happened. I mean, it's just, oh yeah. Yeah. They also, um, they also, uh, specifically never show you, uh, a murder that wasn't witnessed or survived. So the first killing that is shown in the film is not actually the first Zodiac victim, but Fincher was so, uh, strict about it being right that because no one survived his first murder, they didn't, they didn't make it up. So the first one, like the guy in the car survived, 
but the girl didn't. And so because the guy was there to tell the story, that's how they retold it. That's how they redid it. Uh, and I and I also appreciate that connection that they started the movie with that, and then that's sort of the piece that is is the is the domino that's needed for later on is essentially what's the connection between the the murderer because presumably all the rest of them were random acts of violence, but this one particular murder which the movie starts on is is the one. It's the nope. one that is the connection. It's not. I don't think so. Yeah, it's Is the it, one that, the, well, there's suspect Lee, if they're trying to connect Lee, that he yeah. knew the girl and he was going after her specifically. Was it yeah. Was right. it that girl yeah. or was it the yeah. one that was killed before? No, it's the girl that from the second murders that the girl happened, with that braces the first at the beginning of the movie. Okay. The one who's in the car yeah. and the guy survives. And then I like it that they also bookended in that way too. Like you're saying, Zach, that then the guy who survives that first scene essentially of murder we hmm. see is also the guy they bring back at the very end who identifies Lee as the Zodiac killer. Yeah. But right. the only reason, the only time they really mention the very first murder is when uh, they read the letter from the Zodiac saying, I was the murderer in this town and I was in the murder in this town. And here's how you, here's how you know the two different murders and I, you know, it's me. Yeah. That's about, I mean, they maybe bring up the town, but that's about all they really talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I had a moment where I was watching it, and uh, they have a brief scene with where Mark Ruffalo's wife is like in the background talking to him about something, and she goes upstairs. And I was like, you know, I wonder who that is. That looks a lot like June Diane Raphael, and it was June Diane Raphael. It's like, oh. She looks alike. <laughs> it was just, it was just many, many years ago now. So, well, so Alicia dug up a little bit of trivia. The, um, the gal who had the baby that gets picked up by the semi truck driver. Yeah. She's the daughter of Donovan. Yeah. Well, as soon as I saw oh, her, yeah. I was like, that's the girl from Say Anything. I who was they like, play I one of his her. songs. It's a very, like, the very it's first, the first scene. and the last song. They play Hurdy Gurdy Man, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, well, yeah, that was not lost on David Fincher for sure. Like, I'm sure. right? <laughs> of course, you're. <laughs> I mean, what a perfect song for that scene. Anyways, it was just it was perfectly picked. They make that song like extra creepy. Yeah, you know, and I would, what's interesting too is here we've talked about before on the podcast that sometimes you don't want to cast people that are really well known for certain parts. Uh, like we were talking about for the game, because then it takes you out of it because you know that yeah. actor. But even though this movie is filled with people that I'm constantly recognizing in every single part, it it does not take away for me from the story and from the suspense uh, of of suspecting those people that maybe I've seen in a thousand movies. Well, a lot and of I, them too are suspicious. people that that I've gotten to know a lot better since 2007. Right. True. Like when Jimmy Simpson walks in at the end and I'm like, oh my God, it's Jimmy Simpson. Yeah. It's like, that's hilarious that he's like playing this serious role in a David Fincher movie. And I completely miss the fact that he was in this, but there he is. McPoyle himself. So. Uh, I also want to say that I've never been more terrified by squirrels in my life (laughs) than the scene (laughs) 
<laughs> at the trailer. I'm usually like cool with squirrels, but like that. That was creepy. Was it was weird. Terrifying. Yeah. The squirrel that was like basically ready to rip itself apart to get out of the cage. And uh-huh. then there's just a ton of other squirrels running around. Yeah. Because then you're like, why does this squirrel warrant being in a cage? <laughs> He's when a trail. All the rest are running free. <laughs> it's the, a timeout hey, box. I don't know. The he bizarre, was being a little nutty. Ugly, like oh boy. wooden dildo with the poop stains on it. Oh, God. Yes. Mm. And then Ruffalo, <laughs> Ruffalo opened the fridge and was like, more squirrels, more squirrels. <laughs> God. And then they pull out the two guns and I'm like, I'm pretty sure one of those is a Luger. And then like, that's definitely a murder weapon. They know is one of the murder weapons. How do you not have substantial evidence to pin this guy? Like, I, well, they I did know. supposedly the ballistics, right? They did the tests on them and it wasn't the same. It the, wasn't a match. The two guns were 22s. And oh. I may have only caught that because I I had the subtitles on. They had they pulled mm. a rifle out of the closet too. Wasn't it a rifle? Was it, it was an M sixteen. Oh, never mind, yeah. not a rifle. Which is okay. a, and, what, yeah, it, that's what it is. It is a rifle. Yeah, yeah, it's like standard military rifle. Okay, but With he did a lot knowledge. of the murders with stabbings too, right? Like he stabbed. Uh, I, I, yeah. I still, he kept changing his yeah. pattern up. Like he was he like. Was smart about not fitting a profile that the police could like track or, you know, uh, he he was specific about like trying to, you know, and, and going in all these different jurisdictions, which was a massive deal back in the 70s and 80s where, you know, you you didn't have computers linked up. You didn't have people talking to each other so much. You know, you have that whole thing where where uh uh avery the reporter robert downey jr's character like scoops all of them on information because the zodiac sends him a letter and he puts it out to the press before he shares it with law enforcement you know that kind of stuff um but yeah i mean he he shot people he stabbed people he talked to people he didn't talk to people like he did all kinds of different things. Well, now I know if uh, you ever get any random phone calls and there's just heavy breathing, just fucking run. It's probably me. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's Dale. Just testing. He's just calling to ask about your squirrel problem. Yeah. Have you neutered and spaded your rodents today? Oh, God. <laughs> Is that what he was doing? Squirrel husbandry? <laughs> squirrel husbandry. <laughs> You you had to think at least a little bit of that was going on. God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He could talk to squirrels. He drove a really nice car for somebody living in that trailer. <laughs> and the cops are driving off in a fury. And right before they hit the giant canyon, there's a sign on the side of the road that says, you didn't buy a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, yeah. Was that Kathy Bates that played the squirrel lady or something? Was uh, yeah, Kathy uh, uh, Kathy Bates. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> I think Rat Race is one of those underappreciated mass masterpieces. This is this is a great movie. <laughs> uh, that's funny. So yeah, I I think um, as far as you know recommendations go, if you haven't seen Zodiac yet, I would recommend seeing it. Um, and if you're a fan of Mindhunter and haven't seen Zodiac or vice versa, um, you owe it to yourself to check the other out. 
Um, they're both really Agreed. great in in very similar ways. So, yep. Thanks everybody for joining the discussion for Zodiac, and thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you on the next deeply discussing movie podcast. <laughs>